Welcome to a once-in-a-lifetime episode of The Voluntary Tackle, insofar as it might be the last one ever if the NRL goes under next week. I'm your host, Eamon Brown, and today on the show we'll be discussing just the one topic, how COVID-19 is currently affecting the NRL and its future. But first, joining me to discuss this potentially existential threat is none other than Greta Thunberg. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? Sorry, mate, wrong script there. Uh, I meant Xander Risotto, obviously. Welcome to the show, mate. I'm good mates with uh, with Greta. Are you really? We are. We're, we're both very strong uh, activists on a number of fronts. She's probably a little bit more well-known than I am, though. I don't know about that, mate. I think you've gone pandemic. <laughs> Your face has certainly gone to every continent. I've noticed you're very big in Greenland, too. Yeah, well, there's not a lot of people there, so it's easy to be big, yeah. relatively speaking. Now, I know the only reason you've agreed to this uh, sh- a very emergency uh, COVID-19 Emergency show, broadcast. Exactly, uh, is because you want some of my toilet paper. But I'm here to tell you, mate, that was just an idle promise. Uh, I need mine. I wrestled a 76-year-old grandmother for that. I hate to break it to you, but... Um Whilst we were doing our sound checks, my wife actually snuck in the back there with you whilst you were uh, preparing everything and glued to your screen and, and it's all gone, mate. Oh, mate. And what I've noticed as well, there's a big long skid mark down the curtains. Um, but look, we'll dive straight into the show, Xander, because uh, for the listeners, obviously this is not a textbook show for us. We thought we'd just, as, you, as Xander alluded to before, uh, put together an emergency broadcast in light of the press conference that happened earlier today with Peter Volandis and Todd Greenberg relating to the future of the NRL. Now, here are the big takeaway points, Xander. Uh, the NRL will continue until at least round two at this stage, cautioning that any decision made today could change by the hour because obviously the health crisis is a fluid situation. Uh, another big point was the Warriors, who have agreed to base themselves in Kingscliff for now, uh, a huge sacrifice in itself, having to base mm-hmm. yourself on the Gold Coast. Crowds will also be locked out indefinitely from Monday, and the NRL has appointed a pandemic expert to help coordinate policy moving forward. And a big well done to Bryce Cartwright for stepping up and taking on that responsibility. And probably most notably, Peter Volandi said that the issues constituted, here he goes, Xander, wait for it, a catastrophic threat to the survival of the game. Now let's start with that last point first, Xander. Is the game's very survival in doubt here, as Peter Volandis is sort of suggesting? I don't have access to the books like uh, like him and Greenberg do. How so dare I... you, mate? <laughs> so it's 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 hard. Like I was surprised at the apocalyptic nature of the um, uh, the language. To be honest, mm. um, yeah, I think... he used emergency, catastrophic. Yeah, a few times. it was. It seemed it seemed somewhat calculated, but I, I would be. I think there would be certain clubs that would be in trouble. Um, so, but do you think this could actually lead to the cessation of certain clubs? Yeah, is I it think, that dire? I think I think uh, South Sydney could be in trouble. 
<laughs> I just <laughs> hope so. Uh, no, but I mean, like seriously, there, there are certain clubs that are well run and uh, have uh, a strong financial grounding. Some that would probably surprise you, like, you know, the Raiders and, and the Panthers have incredible pro- property portfolios from what I understand, for, for example. Shares. Yeah. I can understand how uh, a, a month, two months out of a game where they're not being paid any broadcast uh, money mm. could be quite damaging for those clubs because they, you know, they just have not factored um, this into their plans at all. But catastrophic, I mean, if, if the game survived the Super League war, I don't see... Yeah, it's a very different sort of thing because money was flowing in from everywhere, but it, mm. it bled everyone dry. It's sort of a different thing, right? That's right. And there was a lot of acrimony where, mm. of course, this is uh, the, a global problem. It's not just the NRL's problem. One would imagine it's uh, temporary. I use that term yeah. loosely. could be a matter of months, which in itself could be enough to derail the entire season or even lead to its mm. suspension, which has already been tossed around. I want to talk a li- little bit about Volandi's language choice. Now, you alluded before about the words catastrophic. It did appear as though he was signalling not so subtly to the federal government for some emergency funding. What, how do you feel about doing that so publicly? I know that generally you're a bit of a behind-closed-doors man when it comes to that kind of thing, aren't you? And that sounds horrible. I'm not saying that about anything to do with your private life either. <laughs> the way it was framed and the questions that were being asked in response, I thought gave a lot of critics of this, the game ammunition. And I wasn't sure it would help the cause of the game if the goal was to get um, sort of like a, a relief funding package from the government, you know, that maybe they're going to provide... Uh, or sports uh, under the current circumstances. Um, because, you know, they were immediately opened up to the criticism of, well, if the sport gets this, what about your everyday, you know, tradesperson or casual worker who doesn't, mm. have, the, doesn't have a salary job where they can be protected by the, um, the shortfalls in demand? Um, and I think th- those are all fair criticisms. So, I mean, if, if, if you're going to seek that money, you know, I, I just I thought that they, they opened themselves up in a way that maybe wasn't... the wasn't wise, but you, uh, I note that you had a, a different view on that front. That um, that maybe this is a reflection of, of, of things that have already been happening. Yeah, I, I'm sort of of the belief. I agree with you. Generally, these things are sort of negotiated behind closed doors when it comes to organisations and government. And it just struck me, and I don't know this for sure. I've got no inside source, obviously, but my instincts tell me that maybe they've already hit a bit of a roadblock with the government in terms of trying to get that funding. And this is why he was so overt. Hmm. in that press conference this morning because it was very unusual. He sort of went over that ground three or four times and threw down the threat that the game might not exist. Not just that it might take a huge financial hit, that it threatened the very existence of rugby league. And I thought, geez, I hope that's not true. And I don't think it is. Hmm. Um, But it felt that it was a bit of an over-exuberance to get that point across. Yeah, I mean, given that we haven't heard this language from Rugby Australia or or Soccer Australia... um, you know, those are two codes that are going to be much more badly hurt by this than... I shouldn't, than, I shouldn't laugh, but it's like... You know, that, I mean... The A-League, this, is, this could... Eat, I mean, that could end. The A-League are heading into TV rights negotiations. So is Rugby Australia. Their, um, you know, their competitions have, have been rating badly to begin with. They're in real deep trouble and they haven't used anything like the apocalyptic language that Volandis mm. did. So I, I thought it was interesting within that broader context. Now, uh, you made a good point before about the optics of this not looking good when we're crying poor, when, of course, we've got a lot of players paid a lot of money. 
I guess there is, though, I guess a pretty logical economic argument here, isn't there, that the rugby league supports more than just the employment of the players who are on these top salaries. Yeah, the it? economic multiplier effect. Exactly. The There's all this yeah. abundance of support industries and support jobs that are embedded. Yeah. From a government point of view, it would make sense uh, to, to actually see this as an investment, wouldn't it, in terms of allocating funding, not just for the NRL, but for sporting codes in general, because the long-term viability would mm. be could be economically prosperous. Yeah, well, that's right, and you know that's that's how they framed it. Is it it it, it would form part of a broader stimulus package? I guess the the question is that they're asking they're, they're basically making the case that they need to be part of that broader stimulus package. Mm. Um, and I think that's a and case. He, and he used very not so subtle language, basically. Yeah, and, and you know, maybe like, that's just a Peter Valandis thing. Like as 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 a rugby league diehard, I can you know I wholeheartedly support the game being supported, but. Um, I think that is a case that they have to justify because there are very real, um, you know, implications for making that decision ahead of other segments of the economy. Mm. And, you know, I, I think it's something they need to, to really dot their I's and cross their T's if they're going to justify it. And they need mm. to have a good argument. If they get the money, that's also a publicity problem. They need to, they need to really explain in detail that economic multiplier effect and do their, do their sums on it to show that they really do have an to impact. To show the public as well. Yeah, because so. otherwise, you know, it, it actually becomes a bit of a, pub, uh, a public relations problem for the game if they win the money. I guess that sort of segues nicely onto this next point, and that is that the NRL is probably better positioned than a lot of other sports in terms of enduring a, a health crisis like this. The upshot is that they've given each club 425k, apparently. That's mm. happening straight up, um, which looking at the magnitude of this, there's no crowds for you know half the season. That's mm. probably not going to last very long. No, I mean, and, and you, you do make a good point. I mean, like in terms of the different football codes in the country. I mean, the AFL's probably got the biggest war chest and the NRL did post a, a profit of 30-odd million dollars, what, something something like that last year, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, They're in the black. Yeah, and I think I think the, the profits that they, they highlighted are actually higher than the, the um, AFL, but... Um, you, you made a really good point, Xander, right before we switched the microphones on, one I hadn't considered. Can you explain to the listeners your take on the difference in how this could hurt the AFL versus the NRL? Yeah, I mean, I, as I said, the AFL, uh, obviously the, the the sport with the, the greatest funding footprint, but they also have some of, they, they have larger overheads than the NRL because they have to travel more um, uh, domestically. Um, so it takes a lot more to, to ferry their players around. Um, but the clubs uh, are generally um, entirely reliant on memberships and um, uh, crowd takings. And that's why the a- AFL has such great um a crowd attendance culture is it's, it's just part of the fabric of that game and mm. it's what keeps it viable you for take a lot the of crowds clubs. away yeah so you, you'd have to you'd have to imagine like i mean you know the, the criticism of the nrl is often the league's clubs have a lot of pokey machines and all kinds of other things i mean so there are other clubs whose membership bases keep them afloat as well so that'll have implications similarly but the afl uh, is is a more member driven club model and um, member-driven and 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 uh, attendance-driven. So if if fans aren't able to turn up to games, um, what impact does that have on them? So I'd be interested to know. Yeah, I'd imagine it would have to be bigger uh, on yeah. scale and even on proportion than mm. it would be to the NRL. Let's take the scenario that the competition continues, and that's certainly my hope. But there are no crowds for the rest of the year. The NRL is probably in a in an okay position there, aren't we? Because we have such strong broadcast deals already and mm. it might even see, I'm imagining, a spike in viewership because people can't go to the, the games. Team, you, would, you would have to imagine that the... I mean, put it this way. 
if the NRL keeps going and rugby's cancelled and the AFL's are <laughs> delayed... We're the only game in town. <laughs> then, then you'd have to think it would be good for the TV. And everyone else has locked themselves in their houses... You'd think that the ratings would actually be pretty good. I love it. Um, and even like Americans who have had a lot of their sporting yeah. events cancelled, they might go, well, what's this NRL thing? Maybe it's an opportunity, Xander. Maybe it is, but, um, but you know, the, as, as a lot of people have said, geez, the minute there's a player or a ball boy or somebody who's tested positive for COVID-19, then well, all bets are off. It's funny you say that. So 10 minutes ago, I saw something on Twitter that which suggested a touch judge uh, for one of the upcoming games today had... Tape being taken away for testing, so this this is not something that's going to go away. We're going to see more and more of that. This is this is a um, a disease that spreads really easily, mm. so that's 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 a huge challenge. Um, I think I've seen we've just gone to two hundred and fifty cases nationally. Yeah, I think you know three weeks ago we had um, like a handful in mm. in Sydney, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't imagine it being an if. I think it is a when, and of course. You know, the headache that the NRL has is if one player tests positive, it's all players that that player is contacted with. Yeah, yeah you have They then to do... have to go into at least a 14-day yeah. quarantine. And that effectively ends the competition, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I mean, there's no two ways about that. So I think maybe it's one of those things that they're just going to push on while they can. Until yeah. they face that situation, which seems inevitable. Mm. And then they maybe pause the competition or... It, in yeah. worst case scenario, they scrap it. Yeah, it's 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 scary to even yeah. say those words, isn't it? I'd never thought in my in my wildest dreams I'd be ever saying they're going to scrap the NRL this year. Yeah, I know. It's it's well, I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? Because it's happened everywhere around the world. I, I've seen the the English Premier League's been scrapped, even. Yep. Um, I NBA. know. Some, yeah, the NBA, the NHL, the Masters, um, the Grand, uh, the Grand Prix. Yeah, the Grand Prix in Melbourne. Geez, that they did that right at the last minute. Yeah. And that was they a, did not want to scrap no. that. That's for sure. Yeah, I thought that was poorly handled, actually. I thought they needed to make a call. And there's been a few of those where it's been... But I think what's happened is in the last week in particular, there's been a cascade of responses and it's just gotten more and more intense. Mm. Well, look, let's go to solutions. I'm a solutions-based man, as you know, and so is Wayne Bennett, by the sounds of it. So he's come out during the week and said, look, this is this shouldn't be a, a plan B. His, mm. his plan A is to take every team to the one spot in a warmer climate. So he's suggesting somewhere like... Townsville, uh, Cairns, Darwin, and have all of the teams effectively quarantined from everywhere, and just be playing out of the one ground out of the ho- over the whole weekend indefinitely. Mm. Um, I actually think the old man's got a point He's, there. You know, as far as solutions go, and I did read this, uh, I thought you know it kind of makes a bit of sense if you mm. go somewhere where there's no reported cases, you test all the players and every all the staff before they get on a plane to go. Mm. Um, maybe you take chartered planes even so you, you minimise the risk of infection further. Um, then, yeah, to a certain extent, you, you can um, actually manage that risk in a way that's probably not possible if you have everyone flying around constantly. And, and we do know that this virus doesn't seem to thrive in warmer climates, seems to like cooler climates. So you take someone, you take the teams to places where it's not as densely populated mm. as well because proximity is a problem. Um, and the other part is obviously there's no crowds, so it doesn't really need to be a whiz-bang stadium. It yeah. just needs to be a football field where you can get cameras into it. Um, so, so they do have that new stadium in Townsville. That's true, if, yeah. they, if they went there. Although yeah. they're talking maybe even backwater, maybe more remote yeah, right. than a place like Townsville um, to just mitigate even further. Yeah, right. What about the implications for players here? Now, we've already had the Warriors uh, who did, a, I think, a, a really commendable 
decision in, to stay in Australia. They could have easily have said, look, mm. wait, this is bad for us. We're not going to do it. And that would have probably ended the comp right there. Mm. They've said, all right, we'll stay in Australia. And they've been based out of Kingscliff in, on the Gold Coast. All the, I always think about the implications for their families. That's a decision that effectively takes them away from their entire life yeah. indefinitely. Yeah, well, that's, that's the other thing. And you, I've seen a few posts about this. Basically, you know, players with, with, you know, with wives and young kids who um, basically have to schedule their life around football and have their own commitments and demands on their time that they won't be able to manage now that they've got players away. So, mm. you know, you, you have to balance that as well. Yeah, I noticed Peter Hickey's flying home because mm. now Jacinda Ardern's new policy doesn't become active until I think it's midnight Sunday, Sunday yeah. midnight today. We're yeah. recording on the Sunday, so he's got a pregnant partner, and he's I think she's only days away. Yeah, so he's going to go home to beat that curfew, and then I think the idea might be he might rejoin the team in a matter of weeks' time. I'm not mm. sure, depending on what happens with the competition. But all this is a weird thing, isn't it? Because we're taking this as literally a day by day proposition at this stage. We don't really know. What's going to happen in a couple of weeks' time? Yeah, well, that, that's just it. I mean, like the the number of events globally that have that have been cancelled um, mm. is, is insane, and it, it has been one of those things where um, the announcement of the World Health Organization that this was a global pandemic pandemic through the middle of the week seemed to just ramp up the intensity everywhere. Mm. Yeah, and uh, it doesn't seem to be letting off yet. Um, you're right; it's ratcheted up the anxiety. Yeah. Um, not just in the sporting world, but in all industries and sent reverberations for all of them. Um, so it is interesting from a, just a competition standpoint to see how management will handle it. I know you're not a huge fan of Peter Volandi, for example, but i got to say, on balance, I didn't mind that press conference. I thought it was a measured performance, to, for want of a better term, to call it, in the sense that he didn't say we're bolting down this avenue. Mm. He did say, look, this is an evolving situation. And here are our cards on the table. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what I want from my leaders, to be honest. I know there's meant to be friction between Greenberg and Valandis. And I know you didn't like the way that Valandis, uh, in particular, pronounced the word rugby league. What did he use again? Oh, it was painful, wasn't it? He just kept calling it rugby league. <laughs> like, you know. So aside bar. from the fact he can't yeah. pronounce the sport's name, he, well, I didn't he, think he did too badly. He didn't. He, he doesn't know how to pronounce the sport's name. He called it rugby league, and he, he also he also said rugby league has been around for hundreds of years in this country. And I'm like, the country hasn't been settled by it's by European. It's barely been around for a couple it's, hundred. It's you know we had the bicentenary in the 80s. You know what is it? <laughs> hundreds of years is um is a bit of a stretch. We'll yeah, put it that right. way. Baby's bad at maths, which is probably a bad sign. It's, it's got a solid history, but not hundreds of years. That's all right. So he's made some factual errors. We can acknowledge that. I know. Um, and he has used some strong language. How do you think that uh, Todd Greenberg has been for all of this? I mean, it was interesting. Uh, I was saying it to you earlier, but um, the contrast between him and uh, Volandis in that press conference, I thought his language was much more precise and careful. Mm. Um, I was actually quite impressed with him during the press conference. I thought, I thought I, you, you're right. I think you could kind of see what Volandis was trying to do. He was trying, he was trying to um, anchor uh, the the perception of where the code is at uh, mm. when it comes to the, the first round of negotiations with the government. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's um, right. I in, think he had a very deliberate intent. Yeah, like in a very negative 
sense saying, this is a real crisis, you mm. guys need to stump up and support us. Yeah, and that kind of makes sense, right? Because in this climate where everyone is going to be crying out for funding, mm. the NRL needs to stand tall and, and ask for as much as it can possibly get. I, I honestly think that's all Volandis is doing. Yeah, he's, yeah. You know, he's trying to make sure that the game gets its fair share, if not more, mm. than other sports. It's going to be a scramble for cash, basically, to, for survival. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm sure that's true. And I mean, if if there is if there is one code that does have a friendly um, political ally, that probably <laughs> is rugby league, right? So I did think about it. I remember thinking, wow, this could be one of the few occasions where I don't mind a, a, a Liberal Morrison government being in, because I remember thinking, I'm not sure if Shorten would be our friend in this situation. No, no, he wouldn't. <laughs> um, He'd he be might. giving the the, the AFL billions. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So if, if there's anything to take out of the wreck, and say, thank you, Queensland, for getting Morrison in. <laughs> Turns out you were right all along. And I know there's a few of you that listened, so thank you for that. In terms of, um, des- let's go back to that idea of quarantining the competition essentially in one location. Could we not put them all on an island? Could we all go to the Norfolk Island, for Send example? Send them to Fiji, yeah. <laughs> I'm on, I legit, go to a place where there's been zero cases, do the testing, and then almost like Jurassic Park 2... We, we go to an island and just stay there and eventually evolve into giant carnivorous creatures like John Hopper. Well, you'd be allowed to have a crowd there if you were able to do that, right? You yeah, just no. wouldn't be able to fly in any Australians. Yeah, no, well, that, that could work. And um, better for the atmosphere. Are you worried about what television games will look like with no crowds? Because, you know, without making any we jokes... Saw a, we saw an example of that last night when South uh, played the Sharks, I thought. There wasn't many people there, was there? <laughs> it kind of looked like, you know, we get those different colour seats. Yeah, but look, in, in, in their defence, there's a lot of bad publicity floating around about the virus and also it was a very cold day. A lot of things factoring into that. I don't like to hear you making excuses for <laughs> South Sydney having a bad crowd. They wouldn't They wouldn't make excuses for us, I mate. Russell Crowe would happily cut my throat, um, but I'm a more um, affable man than Rusty, mate. But to the point point that the atmosphere when you're watching is going to be drastically different isn't it it's yeah, not going to yeah. have that same reverence that a packed crowd has i mean look we're not going to have a chance to talk about the games because this is a coronavirus special but take the opening game for townsville yeah i mean that, that was, was magnificent yeah and it's just a tragedy in itself that we're not probably not going to see that atmosphere mm. at least for a couple of months if not a year yeah, well, I'm hoping it's not that long. I mean, it, mm. it, let's take the best case scenario again. My cockeyed optimism um, at play, if you know all of these measures come into place, could we potentially have this thing under control in a matter of months? Is it conceivable? I know we're asking you as a non <laughs> non crises a medical crises professional, um, but you know, is that something that might be a scenario? If they manage to control to contain and control it, then. Then yeah, you can you can envisage a scenario where they 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 manage to flatten the curve of this thing. Mm. But the the question is is for us we're heading into winter, right? Yeah. So it's going to get worse for us, arguably. And we've, we're, the cases are are jumping exponentially at this stage. Um, so the government needs to to act fairly quickly and have in a a, a lot of detailed um, response options, mm. like yesterday, frankly. Um, so I suspect we, we could be in for a bit of a long season, but I'm hopeful that they, you know, like, uh, it's annoying being a winter sport during a crisis like this. Yeah. Like, I mean, the, the NFL and the States are lucky. They just had their Super Bowl, right? Yeah, you know, they, they just got, got to it. ride this out for a little while. Got out just in time. Yeah, they did. Um, but you know, I, I worry a little bit about us because in Australia, it does seem as if the, the responses could have been a little bit quicker mm. and more decisive. 
Um, you know, the, the fact that we're waiting till Monday is kind of funny. Let's talk about that because that was on my agenda, um, on my mental one anyway. But we're, we're recording on a Sunday, the two games to be played. It's going to continue to have mm. crowds. Look, I know that there, this is in line with the Morrison government decision, but that in itself was odd, I thought. That yeah. There's a ban on mass gatherings of over 500 people that didn't come into effect immediately. They, they left a few days grace, which it seems like counterintuitive to me. How do you, what's, what are your thoughts on the NRL allowing crowds to go in and finish off this round? Well, I mean, you can kind of see it from the government standpoint. They don't want to just like, stuff businesses completely and um, ban things straight away. Um, so you give, you give, um, you I think know, a lot of businesses <clears throat> will be stuffed regardless. They will be right. But like, I mean, it, what it, you, you can see you, from a, from a government policy standpoint, you can see that, you know, you need to provide business with, with warnings and an ability to respond mm. to these things, um, to, to whatever degree possible. And you can kind of see this, you know, they announce it on a Friday, um, you know, give people the weekend to work things out. A lot of public stuff happens on the weekend. Then it's that that next week you can kind of work through it. And to be, you know, I, I guess like blunt is that they probably would have made the calculus that, you know, well, the number of cases is not that high yet. It's probably still manageable. So should the NRL have gone out on its own and actually been more proactive than the, the government ban? I personally probably would have. Yeah. I just think if we're going down this track using words like catastrophic, mm. And then having a full game at Brookie, I don't know. Yeah. Just they don't meld people very ca- cohesively it, it, to me. For a um, yeah, I think you're right. Particularly for a suburban ground mm. where you know people are like jam packed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know what you mean because the proximity is a part of this, isn't it? So, yeah, I mean, my, mind you, it's it's in a funny sort of way. Um, it's pissing down this weekend, so people are probably not going to be that close to each other. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'm glad this is a coronavirus special because that means we don't have to do the post-mortem on the Roosters' performance <laughs> last night. But look, uh, I'll, I'll just say this. Panthers played bloody well. I'm not too worried about it. Uh, I thought we were a bit scratchy, but geez, the Panthers were they were hitting hard and they were in pretty good form. But we won't go digress into that because we'll save that for the next show, if there is one. <laughs> Hopefully we're still around mm. and there's stuff to talk. Well, there's always stuff to talk about because even if the NRL got suspended, Xander... Uh, we could all guarantee that someone on the Gold Coast would do something wrong with his penis and then we'd all have something to talk about again. And I think you do forget that we've been most active in the off-season. Of course, we're, <laughs> we're, we're off-season specialists. So, so This is our bread and butter. <laughs> we'd, find, we'd find something to talk about regardless. Now, mate, we are a very in-tune show uh, with social media and so we're just taking some of these uh, thought bubbles on the fly. And this one comes from uh, Dan Ganane, who's tweeted some ideas apparently from... The Melbourne Storm. Now, they're obviously a, a team that likes to be ahead of the game. Uh, we know, especially when it comes to the salary cap. So they're looking at solutions that if there is indeed need to suspend it in the short term, what we can do. The first idea is to postpone the competition for the next four rounds and finish in the last weekend of October as opposed to the first. The other option is to delay the season by eight weeks and finish in the third week of November. So even going a little bit more extreme. And of course, things we need to think about are our giant fixtures during the season. So outside of the NRL, what to do with State of Origin? Uh, they're proposing potentially playing State of Origin at the end of the season and even scrapping the Kangaroos Tour. A lot of ideas there. What are your initial thoughts to those? Yeah, I, I, I think the idea of maybe pushing it out to sort of um, end of October, November makes a bit of sense. You, you give the, the competition a bit of time um, to uh, to recover, it does it does push it into summer a bit and mm. into the cricket season. But I think, you know, to be honest, we all kind of end up missing the, the game at that point anyway. Yeah. 
the idea of putting Origin at the end of the season, I actually kind of like it. It'd be interesting to see how that would fare. To be honest, wouldn't it be something cool to take out of the wreck? Because yeah. we've both been critics of how Origin's scheduled at the moment anyway, and it sort of bastardizes the game during the season with games hosted with all their players out. Maybe end of the season could work as, yeah. a, as an indefinite thing. So if there's anything to trial, if there's any reason to push something, maybe this is, this is it. This is fate. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it would be it would be fascinating to see how it fared mm. in a postseason. That it put it into like that it put it solidly into November. And this look, this is something we do need to think about, right? Mm. Because you know the NRL is one thing, but state of origin, how much revenue and eyeballs that rakes in? It's yeah, well, yeah. I mean, collectively, um, it's it's three grand finals worth of viewers. Exactly, and for that to be just scrapped mm. almost seems untenable. So the idea of postponing that and maybe proportionally postponing mm. elements of the season as well. Shortening the season comes to mind. Yeah. I mean, I've always thought it goes a little bit too long anyway. I, I, I actually agree. I've, you know, I, I've, uh, without going into the effect it would have on gate takings, I, I've liked the idea of having a, a one round um, per team um, tournament where it's, mm. it's like 16 rounds or seven, sorry. Yeah. 15 rounds um, just for the NRL. And then you, then you have a much bigger scope to have a, a stronger rep season internationals and all the rest of it. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think you have to consider shortening the season and then you just have people take a haircut proportionally, something mm. like that. Uh, we did talk earlier that there is a, a clause, apparently the NRL talking about this act of God clause. I'm yeah. glad you raised that, mate, this act of God clause, because, you know, everyone's going to have to take a financial hit. Should the players, in your view, be part of the group of people who take a hit? I, I'm of the opinion that they that everyone needs to mm. sort of bert- share their load a little bit. And I know that this is... From what I'm reading, a part of uh, a part of the collective bargaining agreement, so it's in all the players' contracts that in in these act of God moments mm. uh, they will have to take some kind of hit. I think everyone's going to take a hit, and I don't even think I could be. I don't want to speak for players, but I don't imagine they'd have a big problem with that, depending on how big the hit is. I think it'd probably be down to the players. Some of them will have their their houses in order, yeah. and they'll they'll be willing to cop it. Um, but there'll be others who'd be stressed. I mean, a little bit and like James Maloney's not here anymore, <laughs> so they should be okay. But you know what I mean, right? Like, I mean, it's the same way that you've seen fans respond differently on on uh, Twitter about their their membership payments. I, yeah, that's I, right. I sort of quite publicly said I'm considering my membership payment a donation to the Roosters at this point. And that's a great attitude, um, right? If you love the game of rugby league. And, yeah. and provided you're not in some kind of financially dire situation, mm. then I don't think you're going to have a major problem in helping to chock up your club, are you? Yeah, that, that's right. But that is a choice that I have, I have the luxury of being able to make because I have a secure financial position personally at the moment. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, as the standard. Um, so I, I have the freedom to make that decision. But for other fans who maybe... Um, they might have, not be in that They're position. not salaried work. They're tradespeople who rely on, on demand and, and um, other, other things that are going to be affected by this. They mm. don't have that luxury. So yeah. the decision's going to be uh, different for them. And likewise for players, you know, the, the highly paid players who are um, on high salaries um, you know this uh, 10% salary cuts not going to burn them too much mm. but, but for the guy who's on you know maybe 80k starting out yeah the Nat Butchers of the world yeah. won't someone think of the Nat Butchers they but never do those guys will you know that they'll they'll have a harder time taking them so maybe it has to be maybe it almost has to be scaled to, to a, a certain sense it's, it can't be a flat rate what about the kangaroos to have been scrapped? Would that be devastating for you if that was the case? Because obviously there's going to have to be elements of this schedule squeezed out. I would there. be extremely loath to see the kangaroo tour scrapped. Um, if anything, I'd, li- I'd like to, to just see it shifted to the beginning of next year or something. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe you could have the kangaroos tour 
um, prior to the World Club Challenge, for example, in the lead up to the Super League season. I don't know. Um, but I would, I would hate to see it go because it's, you know, like we haven't had a, a kangaroo store of England for a long time and, it, mm. and it's a big deal over there. Yeah. So um, in terms of International Rugby League and its yeah. viability... This and is probably a, of a bigger magnitude than a lot of NRL fans would know. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, the, the Kangaroos are a, a, a well, a very strong brand in in you know the north of England. They haven't beaten them for like the English haven't beaten the Kangaroos for fifty years, mm. like in, in a series. I love it. Like since nineteen seventy something, I can't remember it, but you know, it's been a very long time since they've won any series against Australia. Mm. Now let's go to the prospect of the competition being suspended, mate. We did put this out uh, in a Twitter poll, and we asked our listeners. Do you think the competition this year will be suspended? Yes or no? Uh, 75% said it would be. Does that surprise you? No, I mean, having looked at what's happened in this last week, um, it would stagger me if it didn't end up having the decision taken out of its hands. Yeah. Uh, to be completely honest. Oh, this is all so depressing. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's that, that said, there are, if there's a silver lining, if the game, if the competition has to be suspended for a month, then... Um, we have plenty of time to uh, get uh, uh, Josh Morris up to speed with his combinations <laughs> um, with uh, with his brother. Um, we'll have plenty of time to get uh, Crichton back from pneumonia, and Cordner will have time to recover. So we won't have to start our first. We won't have to start our second round. Still, mm. still somehow hobbled with a range of injuries, which is just to me unbelievable. And look, without even putting through the Roosters' lens, like the likes of Kieran Foran may not be out for the season anymore. That's Jack, right. Jack Bird might not be out for the season. He's just out for half of it because the season's been shifted. So winners and losers. We've always said that. Um, you know, losers the economy in general. Winners. <laughs> Sorbent tissue. Now, look, we'll probably wrap our conversation there. Look, this wasn't intended to be a full episode, uh, but I feel as though we've talked about a lot of gloom and doom, and I want to leave listeners to something bright to talk about. You've given me a reason, Xander, because right before we started recording, you let me know that Ray Hadley's been rested from rugby league commentary. Is that right? He hasn't been rested. He's been he's had his contract cancelled. <laughs> I, I said rested deliberately because I wanted you to step on the throat. And, <laughs> and you took the cue. Well, see you next time. And that's the way I like it. So please, baby, please open your heart.